morning, everybody. He's risen. He's risen indeed. I'm Mark, one of the pastors at the Mariner campus. We're glad that you're joining us today, whether it's Mariner or Town Center or Ethos or on the internet. A number of people that don't go to our church, in fact, in different places around the world, they're joining us, and we're, we're honored that you are here. And pray that today would be a great day as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's lots of new Jesus folks that are joining us today, and we welcome you. This may be a different uh, experience for you. In fact, it's very different for us because there's nobody where I'm speaking today, and everybody's in your uh, apartments or wherever else you are. But we warmly welcome you, and we pray that this would be a time that you can focus in on what Easter is really all about. We're so appreciative of the notes that many of you have sent me, thanking us for the materials that we're sending and do all that kind of stuff. We're trying to minister to you in this weird time. And with so much change and stress and fear and all that's going on in our world, I wanted to go back in basics, back to basics today about Easter and talk to you about amazing grace and why is grace so amazing. At the graveside a number of years ago of this Mennonite dude, we were sad. We had done through, gone through the funeral itself and we were at the graveside. And it was just sad. And I didn't know what to do. We've read scripture, we've prayed, we've, we've been in silence. I didn't know what to do. And so I sang our song. And everyone there, because they're Mennonites, they know how to have great food and they, are, they can all sing. They all joined in. And we sang, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. I think that's one of the greatest hymns we have in our faith, of our faith. Today I want to talk about why grace is so amazing. And I want to start in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Please stand wherever you are. I know it's a little weird if you're in your apartment. But just laugh with each other and stand. And We're doing this because we honor God's word. It's way more important. This is more important than anything you're going to hear today. All of my ideas and everything else, it all boils down to God's word. And so, in respect to what we're reading, we stand before God and declare the importance of his word. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Lord, teach your people today what this is about. Give us insight. And we pray that we would obey you. We thank you for the amazing grace that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. My goal here today is for us to walk away and say with great confidence and lots of emotion, God's grace is amazing. To do that, we need to look at at least two words through the Old and New Testament. Those words, the first one is justice, the second one is mercy. Justice means that we get exactly what we deserve, nothing more, nothing less. A couple weeks ago, Diane and I were driving, talking about a project we were on in their house, and, and I slowly went up to a stop sign and rolled through. Didn't I slowed down. I have found out since then that this country says you can't do that without getting a ticket. And it's interesting because quickly after that, there was a car with some flashing lights following me for quite some time. Don't you hate that? 
want you to, I don't know what they're tra- expecting to you to do, but anyhow, I, th- I thought to myself, why doesn't he go arrest a real lawbreaker somewhere, like some hardened criminal that, toilet, that, that hoards toilet paper, or someone who's a, a criminal that a, doesn't cough into his elbow. But oh no, oh no. They would rather give a ticket to a usual law-abiding pastor. Boo-hoo. Now, is this policeman, honestly, is the policeman a bad guy, a nasty guy because he gave me a ticket? No. It's justice. And as citizens of this country, we agree that we don't roll through stop signs. We agree that there are certain uh, speed limits on certain streets and all kinds of stuff like that. It isn't that he's a bad guy. He's just applying the law, making sure that there's justice. A while ago, we had a man in our church that when he was a lot younger, he used to steal from banks and uh, he got caught and put in prison. And he, uh, he often talked to me on how much he deserved that. But because he deserved it, God put him in jail. And that's where he found the grace of God for some people that were there, shared God's grace with him. He, wa- he needed more than justice in his life. He needed mercy and grace as well. Deuteronomy chapter 32 says this, God is a rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he. Over and over in the Bible it says that God is just. In fact, the Bible says that God in the end will make sure that justice reigns. And there's people who have done unjust things. They will pay for that. We talk a lot about going to the uh, Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. I've told this story before, but for those of you that haven't heard it, Colby, our, our Jewish guide, was telling the story of his grandmother, how she hid an, under the floor of the barn of some Lutherans <clears throat> for over three years. And she ate the scraps from the house, which was potato peelings and those kinds of things. And the, the, they, they tried to, the Lutherans tried to feed her more than just the scraps, but they couldn't do too much <clears throat> because the Nazis were watching even their garbage. Now, a few minutes before... Colby was talking about this, a, a young German fellow came and asked if he could kind of tag around with us, and he enjoyed some of the teaching that he heard. And I said, sure, come with us. So we were in a courtyard, and Colby was on the opposite side, and he, as he was telling his story passionately, he kept walking closer to me and the German dude on my right. And I thought, there's going to be some sort of confrontation or something, and I'm kind of getting nervous. And Colby got real close, and then he leaned in, And he said to him, this is not your fault. This is not your fault. And this guy starts trembling. He said, but you could be one who would tell the rest of the world the truth of what went on here and help everyone to remember, this is not your fault, though. And I thought, there's mercy. Not just just, there's mercy. In places we uh, most hope for, we as people want justice for others usually, but we want mercy for ourselves, and that's just wrong. We'll talk about that maybe another time. But there's mercy that needs to be applied to people's lives. Justice gets exactly what you deserve, not more, not less. Mercy, on the other hand, is different. Mercy gives you a little less than you deserve. If we get caught by the police and we're going 30k over and the speed limit, the policeman gives us a could give us a judge of or a judgment of $300 fine, but gives us 150. What's that? It's mercy. Simple as that. In that situation, it's mercy. You still have to pay something or else it wouldn't be just. 
But mercy is getting less than you deserve. Let's say the same thing's happening. Somebody steals your car. The judge says, you know, it's just a Ford. It's not a real good car or nothing. So let, let that, that would be okay. Instead of, instead of a couple years in jail, just a couple months will do. That would be mercy. Unless you like Fords. Psalm 103 wraps together. Here's where God weaves mercy and justice and grace together in one text. I will leave that with you to read later and talk and think that through about, us, about the greatness and goodness of the grace of God. Psalm 103. Some other texts. Lamentations chapter 3 says, Though the, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and graciousness, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Years ago, I, I saw a new discovery by the archaeologists in, uh, in Jerusalem. They thought they had dug up the high priest's home in the day of Jesus. So that high priest. That was the home that Peter and Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times. It's also the same home that the high priest. Uh, wrongly put Jesus in a, in a court situation. It was inappropriate. But it's interesting. They had, they had the courtyards. And there was a courtyard over here. The inner courtyard. And the outer courtyard was here. Peter was in the outer courtyard with the young girl. Asking him three times. Weren't you a Jesus guy? Weren't you a disciple? And he said the night before, I'll never, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Well, he did. And that's where that happened. And if you stand in a certain place, you can see from the one courtyard to the other courtyard where Jesus was. And Peter was here. And it says, after the third denial, Jesus looked at Peter. I don't think he was looking snarly. I think he knew how Peter would weep over what he just did. And he looked at him. And the, 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 the guide that was there lined that up for me so I could stand where Peter probably stood and see Jesus look at me because I have denied him way more than three times. It was an amazing experience for me. Fast forward with me. After the resurrection, Jesus and the boys went fishing. And Peter, though he was permanently, could have been permanently excused from ever being a disciple if you just apply justice, he was personally asked by Jesus to come and have some breakfast. And then he was asked three key questions that restored Peter to his discipleship. The three questions referred to the three times that he denied Jesus. If justice and justice alone was applied, Peter never would have been an apostle but Jesus knew that Peter was one of the key people to lead the early church because he did experience God's justice and mercy and grace. And rather than simply talking about Peter's apostle or taking Peter's apostle card, Jesus was merciful and gave him less than he deserved. Now, grace is a whole different deal. It's a game changer. Let me unpack it with you by telling you a story. Years ago, a man called me, who's a kind of a new Christian. Let, let, let's call him Bob. And Bob had accepted Christ and was walking through the nuances of justice and grace and mercy. And he phoned me and he said, I, I got a problem, I need some advice. And so I said, okay, what's up? 
And Bob had, had always wanted a deck on both sides of his house. In Alberta, you, if you want to be in the sun or out of the sun for that one week of summer that they get in Alberta, you know that. You need, he, needed an, he needed another deck, and he wasn't a, a carpenter himself, but he thought, I'm going to do this. And he did. Built a wonderful deck. It had a great railing on it, and he, he had Duradeck on it. He had installed a natural gas access for his barbecue and for a heater. He had some brickwork. He had a flowered area. It was really nice. One evening, Bob was in his back deck enjoying the cool of the evening, and then he heard sounds that are not good sounds to hear. Screeching tires, roaring engine, and then one big thump. And we went around to the front of his house, and he saw the neighbor's kid, who was a teenager, let's call him Johnny, who drove his dad's Audi over Bob's lawn through the flower garden into the brand new deck. He found out quickly that Johnny didn't have his driver's license. He didn't have permission for driving his dad's car. His dad actually wasn't even around. So stolen car, wrecked deck, let's kill Johnny. No, we won't kill Johnny. He asked for my opinion. I said, well, if you... What, what, is, what is just is if you break something, you pay for it. So I think you need to call the police, ask that Johnny be charged, held responsible for stealing a car, wrecking the deck, and then talk to Johnny's parents as well because how's Johnny going to pay for this? They'll probably have to do that for you. And that's not being mean. If you do that, that's being just. He kind of thought for a while on that. He said, well, you know, people have helped me when I was a kid, and I feel like I need to help Johnny. In fact, as a Christian, I feel like maybe God's put this whole thing together and teach me a lesson and help Johnny. What, what else could we do? I said, well, there's mercy. You could give Johnny a little less than he deserved. You could say, Johnny, that was a dumb thing he did. I'm sorry. that uh, I mean, it's, it ticks me off. You busted my deck, but I want to be merciful to you. So I, I don't think we'll call the police. I want to give you an opportunity to make this right. You, you can be a better person for this. You need to pay for the deck, of course. I think we need to talk to your parents. But um, I, I think if we did that, Johnny would probably thank Bob, say, hey, I was merciful, I appreciate that, and I don't have a record, and there's all kinds of goodness, good, good parts to this. So, okay, what, what do you think? He said, well... Bob said, I think we can do a little more on the grace part. Maybe there's something else we can do that's a little deeper than that. So thirdly, by responding with grace, Bob thought, well, we don't want to call the police. We don't want to do that kind of stuff and give them a record. We don't really, I know his parents are in a bad place right now, so let's not call them. In fact, I'm pretty sure I could take the responsibility of paying for this. And I see that he's heartbroken and he's, taking responsibility as well. So why don't you, let's kind of clean up the area here and then tomorrow let's go to Home Depot or whatever and we're let, let's buy some decking and we'll buy a new rail and we'll do some stuff and then maybe we could work on it together. I can pay for it. But you need to work on it with me. That way you can learn how to build the deck yourself and, and maybe we can grab a burger later and talk a little bit about life because I, I see a lot of me in you and people were gracious with me. I want to be the same with you. That'd be another way of doing it. And many people, when we say that kind of thing right now, people say, no, that's dumb. Because what's going to happen is Johnny's got the free-for-all. He's going to go and bust up somebody else's deck too and don't care about nothing. Well, 
See, that's why people call grace scandalous. Because Johnny just gets away free? Well, you see, folks, when grace is applied, something happens in our hearts that changes us. Grace is a game changer. Yes, I'm glad there's justice, and yes, I'm glad there's mercy, but I am profoundly moved when there's grace. And Jesus spoke of that in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Luke chapter 15. He tells a story. In fact, he tells three stories in Luke 15, all about lost things. And he was talking to the religious leaders of his day and giving stories of how God's character is very different than they think. They were people of justice. They weren't people of grace. And Jesus wanted us to be people of grace. Luke chapter 15. In fact, 15 will start in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered together to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told a parable. In fact, he told three. Go to verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man that had two sons, a younger one that said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now just push pause. What that really means is, the only time you get your estate is when dad dies. I would rather see you dead and I get your stuff than continue the way we're continuing. It must have broke the father's heart. Father, give me my share of the estate. So, and here's the amazing part, he actually divided the property in between them and did it. Wow. Other people thought, what's he thinking? Not long after that, the young son got together all that he had, of his dad's actually, and set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth with wild living. I'll leave that with you. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the to a citizen of that country who set him to the fields to feed pigs. He's a Jewish guy. What's that like? In fact, he was so low that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and, but no one gave him anything. Here's the key, verse 17. He came to his senses. In other words, he knew what the, his responsibility was, what got him into this whole thing. He knew it was wrong, and he needed forgiveness and restoration. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say three things. Okay? Number one, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's true. Number two, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's true as well. Number three, make me one of your hired men. I'll just be a slave. You feed your slaves, I'll just be a slave and we'll work for food and that's fine. Because I've blown my life, I'll never be able to put it back together. You get it. Three things. But while he was still a long ways off, he went back. His father saw him and filled with compassion, he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. I personally experienced this. Often on the farm, after my brother left. Maybe not the best things were going on, but my dad longed to see him and often would watch. In this case, the father wanted to be the first one there because if the rulers of the town got there, they would evict him. And the dad ran, it says, his son ran to his father. And the son started to, uh, to uh, explain his, his three things. I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's correct. Secondly, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's correct. The dad then did not let him get to number three because he did not want his son to be a slave. 
wouldn't even allow this son to say that. But the father said to the servant, quick, bring the best robe we have. In other words, you're back in the family. Put on the ring. In other words, you're given the visa card for the family. And sandals on your feet. You're not a slave. You're a landowner. That's the people who, run, who own sandals and wear sandals. Bring the fatted calf and the feast and we will celebrate. For my son was once dead but is alive again. He was lost but now is found. So they, they begin to celebrate. When the older brother hears about that, he gets snarky. That's another whole message. I love the fact that he came to his senses. He took responsibility and he asked for forgiveness. And that's what God asks of us. It breaks all cultural and spiritual rules of Jesus' day and our day. But Easter is about an opportunity of taking responsibility for our sin and asking God to apply justice, mercy, and grace. And all three of those are in the, are in the cross. The opportunity to understand grace. Sin needs to be paid for, and it was in the person of Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Mercy needs to be applied. That's exactly what God gave. But he needs, we need amazing grace, the forgiveness to be adopted back as a son, to be given eternal life. And all of those things are allowed through Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead for you and I. He died on the cross and paid the penalty, and God the Father rose him from the dead to prove that he is God, and life is available, and forgiveness is available through Jesus for you and for me. Let's get personal. Do you know what you deserve? It says in, John, in Romans 6, 23, what we deserve, the wages, that what we deserve of sin is death. That's justice. But the gift of God, there's grace, is eternal life through Jesus Christ. First, do you know what we deserve? Secondly, have you ever asked for forgiveness to be forgiven and adopted back as a child of the king. That's also part of Easter. Years ago, I visited a man in a hospital at the request of his daughter. His daughter came to our church, hoping he would come to his senses. She said, my dad is, is a very proud man. And I talked to him about Jesus and his love for him and all that Jesus would do for him. But he said, I've never done anything wrong. All my life, never done anything wrong. I thought, wow. He said, and, the, and, and in, in organizing what needs to be done for his funeral, he said, the only thing that needs to be done, no, no prayers, no scripture, no message. I would just like to be buried. And while you go to the graveside, I would like Frank Sinatra's song to be played. I did it my way. I tell you, I was, I was saddened and shocked that a person would walk away from the grace of God. Amazing. That's his way. You know what God's way is? God's way is, found, is, is coupled in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Because of God's gift to us, there's three things I want you to see. Because of God's love, he gave. Secondly, whoever believes, that's our choice. To believe or not to believe. And lastly, he, we receive eternal life. We need to receive that. A gift that is given to you that is not received is never a gift you have. Simple as that. You know what you deserve, which is separation from God, death. 
Have you bowed your knee to Jesus and asked for forgiveness? This Easter, you can. You can do that. Some of us did that years ago, and we need to celebrate that grace in our life. But there may be some people here that have never done that. And I ask that this could be your day to ask God to forgive you and give you new life. That's what Easter is all about. I remind you of Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will raise up and show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God, God's throne of grace with confidence. Isn't that interesting? His throne is called a throne of grace. With confidence. Because we're not slaves. We're children of the king so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What a timely text for today. Titus 3.5 God saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. First team, First Peter 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter is the day to celebrate eternal life. Do you have it? I'd like to lead us in prayer today. And if this is a time where you need to bow your knee and ask for forgiveness, it may be the first time you've ever done that. I'll invite you to do that as I pray. You can just agree with what I'll be praying. And praying for some people that have never prayed before is talking and listening to God. Simple as that. And I'll lead us in a prayer because I believe every one of us needs to have amazing grace in our life. Amen? Lord, thank you for today, for every person that is listening to this and wherever they are. We thank you that you are present. We pray in Jesus' name, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for offering forgiveness and restoration and help and protection. We recognize that we have sinned, and those sins are against you. We're responsible, and we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you would adopt all those who have not been adopted yet into your family and give us life and forgiveness and hope. In days like we're in now, we need hope. And we pray, Jesus, that you will give that to us. We pray that through what's going on with this virus and all kinds of other things, unemployment and all kinds of pressure and stress, that you would lead your people and give us hope. We trust you. We love you. We want to obey you. And Lord, for these people that have asked for the very first time to be forgiven, we pray that they would know that you have heard them and you are changing their situation even as we speak. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name.